We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're reviewing week 14 and talking year-to-date rushing and target leaders on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at Rotoviz, ready to review some Week 14 results as we keep our eyes here keenly peeled on the New England Patriots Arizona Cardinals Monday Night Football matchup. Curtis, how are you doing? Man, I, I mean, I'm like. Just biting my nail, sitting on the edge of my seat over here. You know, Kyler, Kyler's out of this game. You know, we need basically like 17 points from Hollywood. And we're gonna we're gonna ship our our main event league and uh add to the stack before you know the big tournament starts next week. So yeah, I, I'm I'm you know, like my mind's divided. You know, I, I want to talk about this week 14 stuff, but you know, the fantasy manager in me just cares about this team. <laughs> and so um, we're, we can do some regular check-ins as we're recording. And of course, by the time this drops, it's probably not going to be all that interesting for people to hear this back and forth from us about Hollywood, because we're not going to be recording for the duration of the game. It's going to be a big old, you know, big old, uh, you know, I wonder what happened scenario. So um, man, you know, week 14 was so interesting there, there was Dave a very, very cool breakout that's like post, 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 post hype sleeper that broke out in a big way at the tight end uh, position. I think you've got the right name highlighted. Let's get into the player of the week, man. Uh. <laughs> as, as we look for the drop, as we look for the drop, there we go. There it is. All right, there we go. There we go. So in fairness to myself, in addition to this being a, an important game for us as, as far as Hollywood goes, too, this is also uh, a Patriots game, too. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of a lot of my focus is is, is on what's being played and, on, you know, in the background. But I like how we dropped the player of the week drop and then just went right back to talking about our fantasy team. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So player of this of the week this week, name that we have not talked about too much this year. But Evan Ingram of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Curtis, he saw 
15 targets, 11 receptions. That matches Justin Jefferson's line. Justin Jefferson also saw 15 targets, 11 receptions. 162 yards for Evan Ingram, two touchdowns, and 39.2 PPR. Also notable that Trevor Lawrence was the overall QB1 this week. Uh, A game that had to feel good out there for Jaguars fans. And Evan Ingram, again, two touchdowns, 11 receptions, over 160 yards. Yeah, man. I mean, don't look now, but that is going to end up being the seventh tight end one week for Evan Ingram uh, this season. I mean, he's he's going to end up as a middling. He's going to he's going to uh, end up as a middling tight end one on the strength of that performance at the end of the year. I think you know it's just he scored you know that many uh, fantasy points and, and actually you know for for all of the attention that Ingram has gotten um, since his rookie season, when on a per game basis he was a tight end one, he's actually never finished a season as a tight end one in in total scoring. Mm. Um, so that'd be an achievement for him in year five. And Hey, I mean, with an ascending quarterback and Trevor Lawrence and you got Christian Kirk down there and or Doug Peterson, quarterback whisperer, uh, offense unlocker. I mean, Hey, maybe Ingram's going to have a little bit of a, uh, second chance at his NFL uh, career here and, you know, build something special as he enters his mid uh, to late twenties. Yeah. Well, this is a pretty interesting one. Uh, because we've seen Ingram at points, especially in that rookie season, have some flashes. And we'd like to think that now with this newfound situation there, yeah, maybe man. some of this can, can can continue. So I think next year, heading into uh, redraft drafts, he's going to be one of those players that hopefully doesn't creep up too much because he could be a useful player. Uh, you know, next season, I see you kind of sh- moving your head there. Not sure where you're going with that. Trying to yeah. drum up some conversation about him here, but maybe we can take a three minute walk through, yeah. you know, a dynasty lens. Well, I mean, I think if he, if he closes the year hot, you know, he's, it would, that's the thing. Like it just doesn't, people are so desperate for there to be another guy at the position. You know, if he just closes hot, you know, the to end the month, like let's say, you know, let's say, you know, he averages five or six receptions, you know, per game the rest of the way. And, you know, as a, you know another 15 point game or two in, in PPR settings, like it wouldn't take that much at his age tied to the young quarterback tied to a head coach who's had a tight end fr- friendly system, you know, really for the duration of his coaching career. Like I, I could see Ingram rising all the way back up to where like Dalton Schultz was being drafted uh, this season. You know, That'd be pretty wild. Um, yeah. I, it, it just wouldn't take much, man. It just it, like, especially in tight end premium dynasty formats, you know, people are, you know, they're desperate to not, you know, take an L in the head to head at tight end every single week. So yeah, it's pretty cool to monitor. And you know, the Jaguars are a pretty interesting team. I mean, ETN didn't really do much this weekend and you know, the offense was, you know, still super dynamic. So they've got some interesting pieces, some guys that can really, um, you know, add from a yak perspective and, you know, they're on the verge of becoming a pretty exciting, explosive offense. So it's a great pull for play of the week. And man, Ingram, uh, I, ha- I hadn't really been starting him because, you know, most of the dynasty squads where I've got him, you know, he's blocked by a better tight end. But because of injuries and buys, I was in a situation where I was actually forced to start him in three different dynasty leagues, uh, two of which were in kind of like playoff clinching mode. 
Um, and one, and one of which, uh, my opponent needed to beat me for him to get in. (laughs) It's just brutal sledding out there, man. If you face you know, if you're, if you're looking at that matchup, you know, in, in the last week before the playoffs and, you know, you're staring at Evan Ingram on the other side, you're not thinking he's going to be, you know, the poison uh, to your chances. So pretty cool, man. Who do we have for a snoozer? Uh, this one pains me to mention here uh, as this player is one of my personal favorites, but uh, he's now had two rough weeks back to back. And when you look into the way his season has flown or flowed, kind of an interesting thing to see. So it is Jalen Waddle in what was a really odd game last night. Rough game, I felt like, for Miami. Jalen Waddle finishes with just four targets, only one reception, or excuse me, four targets, two receptions, just 31 yards, and a meager... 5.1 PPR points in a week where teams were looking to get into the playoffs. This was surely a disappointment. Of course, we're also coming off of a 1.9 performance just a week ago. And his last really good game, Curtis, came in week nine, where he was a wide receiver and one with 19 and a half points against the Bears. The most interesting thing that you can find here when you look at Waddle this season is He has just one wide receiver two week. Uh, He's had, of course, a 40-point performance, which was in week two, where he exploded against Baltimore. Uh, Other than that, he's had three other wide receiver one games, but there really hasn't been a lot of in-between. So heading into this week, he was wide receiver 13 in PPR per game, but that average definitely helped by a handful of very large games. So disappointing week for Waddle. I think disappointing week for Tua and the Dolphins in general. I mean, even Tyreek Hill had to get boosted by that kind of fluke play where he grabbed that fumble, ran it in. And right now I'm really wishing that we also got points for that yardage. Yeah, man, it's kind of, it's kind of reminding me of a back in his prime uh, Deshaun Jackson, right? It's like, you know, Oh, but I'd want him in best ball. You know, it's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, Waddle's going to be, I think, kind of in that category next year. It's very clear that, you know, Tyreek Hill is the engine of the Dolphins offense. And, you know, until he shows some some sort of decline, I mean, it's going to take a minute until Waddle steps in and takes over as the alpha there. Because, I mean, Tyreek Hill still looks brilliant, man. Like, he's he's at the top of his game. You know, he's like Cooper Cup plus a juice out there. And it's, it's, you know, it's going to be a minute. So Waddle's going to have those weeks where he wins it for you. But I mean, geez, I think this, what did he end up with PPR? Did he have five points last Five points, 5.1. Yeah. That's his fourth game this year with under six PPR. I mean, that's just not what you're expecting. I mean, for, for a player that was getting drafted where he was getting drafted, you know, you're expecting like, Hey, he's at least going to like, fall into nine or 10 PPR on his off weeks, right? Like he's yep. going to have a five for 50, that type of stuff. And it's just, when you get less than six out of the player you drafted as your wide receiver one, probably or wide receiver two, if you're structural, you know, if you draft a structure like we promote, I mean, that's just not enough. It's just not enough. So yeah. Uh, yeah. That is a tough one. It's a tough spot for him to snooze 
when all of it's on the line in week 14. Yes, it definitely was. However, we have some other notes um, that we'd like to get to, but I wonder if we if we should start with maybe the biggest news that we've seen all, all year. T.Y. Hilton headed to Dallas. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, they, uh, they flirted with OBJ for, you know, three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, and then they signed TY. So, um, yeah, I think we can move on. I think that's, <laughs> Let's enough. Do it. I think that's <laughs> enough, man. There are a th- couple things I want to check in yep. on, you know, uh, Seamus Carr has been doing a pretty cool article, uh, on Sunday nights. Um, and, you know, just kind of talking about what's going on throughout the season, just, you know, really zooming out, what are the stories? And there are a couple of stories, you know, we talked about Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. He highlighted that. Um, so we can move on to a, another team here, but, you know, Derek Henry, what an interesting scenario that we've got with the Titans there. You know, he had 17 carries, 121 yards and a touchdown, but then he had the two fumbles. Um, it was nice to see this type of rushing attack because, you know, in week 12 against the Bengals, he basically had to like save his week with that long reception and week 13 against Philly, you know, he had under 50 yards from scrimmage. Um, so it was a nice bounce back week, but you got the, the two fumbles, but then, but then like, you know, he's more involved as a receiver You know, had three catches for an additional 34 yards. He's like, outpacing Saquon Barkley as a receiver this year. It's just so weird. Like, what is Henry at this point? He's still definitely the focal point of the Titans offense. But, you know, I'm, I'm a little curious. Like, what Henry are we going to get in the fantasy playoffs? Are we going to get that dominant, you know, cave troll out there that's just blasting everybody out of the way and mowing down a path to fantasy championships? Or, or is Henry actually going to be one of these players that, you know, despite his legendary status and, you know, the colder months of the year, is he going to be the player that leaves his fantasy managers, you know, wanting more? Um, I'm very heavy on Henry and, and best ball. And so I'm certainly rooting for the former. But Dave, I don't know, you know, if you've thought much about Henry the past couple of weeks or how exposed you are. But I mean, do you personally have have a read on what's going on uh, with his situation with the Titans and and maybe what we could expect? You know, the, the first thing that I think just as I'm as I look through the game look here and I see six targets for Derrick Henry, yeah. it just has me thinking about can Heck you yeah. imagine up, baby? Can yeah. you imagine what things would have looked like <laughs> if Derrick Henry was seeing six targets a game over the course of the last three or four seasons? Would have been ridiculous. I don't know. You know, like I think that Henry is gonna close strong and even if it's not quite as strong as we've seen from him you know the last couple of years in comparison to the other backs i think it's still going to be uh you know an impressive feat he's still going to be one of those players that's helping propel teams forward yeah the touchdown dependency um is still probably there for him to you know truly like win the weeks but you know the receipt i think the receiving usage is you know maybe you know, maybe if, if we could get a little bit more of that, you know, if Traylon Bur- Burks were to miss more time, not that that would be good for his managers, obviously, but, um, you know, maybe we could get a little bit of a, a floor boost there uh, uh, for for Henry. A couple other players that I wanted to, or situations I wanted to highlight here before we kind of look at, you know, the season-to-date leaders. And Detroit, Jamison Williams, you know, first action of the season, 41-yard 
touchdown reception. Jared Goff, actually, I think with all of these weapons, it's looking like the Lions might want to commit to him as their long-term option. So that that could probably be a deep dive for us as we get into uh, uh, Dynasty talk after the season. But man, it's like the Lions are explosive, but it's really not in any way, shape, or form due to DeAndre Swift. It's just the passing attack. And, and also Sands, TJ Hawkinson, who's no yeah. longer in Detroit. So it's pretty cool. I mean, DJ Chark, Jameson Williams, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, and all of a sudden Jared Goff looking like, you know, he could stream his managers uh, to glory uh, in the in the last month of the season. And then the last situation, and I think this is a good segue into how you're wanting to spend the second half of the episode. Through 13 games, Dave, Justin Jefferson has an even 1,500 yards. And so... Four games left, man. Can he bust that two thousand yard ceiling, man? Is he gonna? He has a chance to to make a real run at it. It's gonna be really fun uh, to watch him chase that mark. You know, it, it was disappointing to see Cooper Cup go down, but Justin Jefferson has been ready to step right in there. You know, as the premier receiver in the league right now, and you know he's having he's having a very cup like season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, he certainly is. And one of the things I wanted to do here was just take a couple of minutes, Curtis, and run down the list of target leaders now that we're approaching near the end of the season. You know, we spend so much time building up to the year to focus on the players that are going to get that volume. And there really are a couple of wide receivers and one tight end here that stand out. But I mean, Justin Jefferson at 142 targets, Devonta Adams at 142, Tyree Kill at 139, Stefan Diggs at 133. Then we see a bit of a drop off. You have Travis Kelsey at 117, tied with CD Lamb at 117, and of course an interesting name here, Deontay Johnson at 113. Finishing <laughs> inside the top eight. And I mean, has also lost 113 yards after the catch point. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Nobody runs backwards better. 
Yeah, seriously. So so this is one of those interesting ones where you have a player getting the volume like we've talked about, just managed to be so inefficient. But what you were talking about earlier uh, with Detroit is kind of where I wanted to go because what's exciting to me is if you start to look at this list, we see some younger names emerging and we're already seeing some guys that are just rookies filling in here or finishing inside the top 15. And we're starting to get a picture of who that next group of really elite, exciting wide receivers are going to be. I'm going to finish reading down the list that we can talk about some of these names. So you have after Johnson, DK Metcalf at 110, Amon Ross St. Brown at 109, Amari Cooper, 109, Chris Godwin, 108, Michael Pittman, 107, Christian Kirk, 106, AJ Brown, 102, Garrett Wilson, 101, Tyler Lockett at 99, Cooper Cup at 98, but followed by Terry McLaurin, then Chris Olave at 98, and then Mike Evans. So we see a couple of names here that are maybe not ones we would have been able to pencil in at the beginning of the year and look to me like guys that we're going to be listing off for at least a couple of years. So Amon Ross St. Brown at this point, I think it's hard to deny what he's been able to do in his young career. He looks like a guy that we're going to be seeing in here year in and year out. Garrett Wilson, we liked coming into the year. Great to see him here as well as Chris Olave. Uh, But Christian Kirk, you know, I'm wondering if we talked a little bit about Jacksonville already. Christian Kirk, a player, a lot of people, a player, a lot of people been hoping could have somewhat of a breakout. You know, it's been a great year for him. Do you think we can continue to see him finishing here, uh, you know, up high, not only on a list of targets, but if we're also looking at fantasy scoring? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that really stands out as a big warning sign uh, to me. You know, it's not like he's been terribly efficient or, you know, scored way more, you know, touchdowns than, you know, we we would have expected. You know, he's, he's kind of doing it on volume and, in ascending offense, you know, he's 10th, 10th at the position in targets this year, 12th in receptions, 14th in receiving yards. I mean, he is fifth at the, the position in total touchdowns, but you know, he only has 11.7 points, uh, fantasy points over expectation, you know? So it's not yeah. like we would expect him to come crashing back down to earth. You know, he's getting enough of the types of looks that he's been getting to deliver, uh, you know, just slightly better than expected performance. He's wide receiver 40 in fantasy points, over expectation. And that's also kind of in line with what he's been throughout his career. You know, he had uh, the, the, kind of the, the, the fallback is, you know, sophomore year, but he's been top 60 at the position every year uh, with positive fantasy efficiency every year, except year two in the league. And he's actually ninth uh, at the position, um, you know, last year. And so, you know, he's been generally efficient, but not irresponsibly efficient, I guess. And with, Trevor Lawrence yep. really looking like he's ascending. Sure. You know, I think the danger with Kirk from like a dynasty perspective is he's already in, you know, prime age, yep. you know, he's, he's really, you know, I don't think he's ever going to get to a point of, of having next level value. I think a way to think about a player like this um, is maybe like Doug Baldwin, you know, Doug Baldwin was a player that was always more valuable to the roster he was on and that manager um, than he ever was in in trade value. And so if, if you have Christian Kirk, you're probably really happy, but I just don't think he's going to command the value. And I also don't think he's going to command the value in startups. He's probably going to be a, a great startup value. 
uh, but he's not going to be really a player that makes sense to move. I would rather just, you know, hold on to him, uh, especially in the context of the offense that he's in. Yeah, for sure. So it's cool to see some of these, these names here. Uh, I'm just going to continue going down the list. I think one that might surprise people, and this was in just 12 games, Zay Jones for the Jaguars with 98 targets. I'm not sure that I have much analysis to continue with there, but it's just interesting to see that from Zay. Yeah, man. Um, And it goes to show you, man, when an offense is on the rise, you know, um, you know, kind of lifts everybody up and there's, there's been games where Zay Jones has popped. uh, And, you know, we've obviously also seen some games where Travis Etienne and Evan Ingram have popped, you know, Kirk has kind of been the constant um, there, you know, Jones isn't going to command any extra value. I, I think, um, in, in dynasty or whatever, but you know, people who draft him in the 17th, 17th round of best ball leagues are pretty happy, you know, with, I think what three twenty plus PPR performances on the year. And as a result, you know, he'll probably creep up, you know, into the earlier teen rounds, I think in best ball drafts next year, you know, if this is the situation that he stays in. Certainly. So a couple other names here that finished, uh, fairly high. I'm not sure how much there really is to, to break down about them, but you would also see, um, let me just very quickly here, switch my filters, uh, other players. So you have Josh Palmer. Now, of course, a lot of that relates to yeah. the injury situation that That's we've pretty seen thick with context, man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, beyond there though, as you continue looking along, you have, um, Drake London with 81 targets. Donovan Peoples-Jones at 80, Curtis Samuel at 79, Matt Collins at 77, Alan Lazard at 75. In just seven games, man, Hollywood Brown gets on the list at 72. Then, of course, you still have uh, Brandon Cooks holding strong at 71, Gabe Davis at 71, and then Jerry Judy at 68. So I feel like I read a lot of names in there that are players that you might not be accustomed to seeing finishing in this range. You know, examples being somebody like Matt Collins. Nice to see Curtis Samuel have a nice year, get into the list this year. Any notes on any of those guys? Anything stand out there? Yeah, I think Drake London. Um, we've got to certainly leave the light on uh, for him. It's kind of kind of funny. He's almost like having... And he's having the same type of year as Kyle Pitts. You know, there's a lot of expectation for him and the volume has been there, but the production just hasn't been. Yep. You know, he's hasn't been quite as bad as, as the narrative, you know, he's, he's wide receiver 38 on the year, um, which is actually higher than I would have expected. Yeah. Uh, the, the issue is that he's been a wide receiver three in all but two weeks, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really in most of those weeks, he was like a wide receiver five. Um, the switch to Desmond Ritter is going to be key. Yeah. You know, how much, how much of uh, the, how much of what the Falcons are trying to do on offense is totally by Arthur Smith's design versus was, was being limited in some way by Marcus Mariota. And I don't know that Desmond Ritter is even, you know, at the talent level to bring much else to the table, but he is a, certainly a different type of player uh, than Mariota. And, you know, I think December could be pretty important for London in terms of his startup value for next year and the dynasty value for, for next year. You know, in, in dynasty, you, you typically see like 
you know, the less you see of a rookie, sometimes the better, because it's so hard to live up to the expectations, especially with the high draft capital. So like a Jameson Williams situation, we're going to barely see him at all this year. He's not going to lose any value. You know, what, whatever he does, he was coming off the ACL. He has every excuse in the world. You know, Drake London is going to be trotting out there having played 15, 16, 17 games by the end of the year and not showed us a heck of a lot and could fall behind a lot of these players that were drafted in front of him uh, for next year, unless, you know, he can start to break out a little bit with the change at quarterback. So the Falcons are a team I'm very much interested in watching how they close, you know, for Desmond Ritter's prospects and super flex uh, formats. And then also uh, for, for Drake London, most importantly, because he's a hugely important player. You know, we're heading into, as you mentioned, you know, a little bit of a changing of the guard uh, potentially next year or the year after at the latest at the wide receiver position. And London's one of those players you think would figure pretty heavily into that. Um, so yeah, my, my eyes are going to be fixed on uh, Atlanta here for the next four weeks. Yeah. I think that's one of the most interesting things to pay attention to as we start to ready ourselves for next season, then just to kind of close things off here with this theme of changing of the guard, if we look at the top 20 or so players, there's definitely some names here. They're going to have to be leaving sometime soon. Of course, I say that, but then I'm like, eh, Tyreek Hill, <laughs> maybe not. Devontae Adams still anywhere. feels he's not going anywhere. Devontae Adams, you have to think at some point would go, but I still think he might have it. Um, Dude, well, let's hold on here. Yep. I mean, if if you have to put the wide receiver, five wide receivers to play, you know, wide receiver space jam football against yep. the aliens, like Devontae Adams would still be one of those five guys right now. Right. All right. So actually, He's let's just good. let's He's just take this. Good, man. All right. This is a this is a more fun direction to go because we have plenty of time to to, to go through, you know, the top rankings and think about who's going to fall out. Give me the rest of the of the top five here. I mean, like assuming health or like today. So I can't use the injured players. Let's so like go. I can't pick Cooper talent Cup. level. The player possesses today. We can pretend they're not injured. Okay. Yeah, man. I mean, so it's Tyreek, uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devonte Adams and Cooper Cup. Cooper I mean, that's, Cup. The, that's the list. That's the list for me. And you've got something, you got a little bit of everything there. You know, you got I Cooper like Cup with his feel for space uh, he's he's still, you know, incredibly effective from a yak perspective. Um, you know, Jamar Chase with his explosiveness and his ability to take anything to the house. Tyreek also in that category, but somehow in a different way. Like, you know, they score similarly at times, but when you watch them, like they're not they're not the same at all. You know, they they, they are they they both are a little bit, you know, more muscular in stature and, and a little bit maybe more bursty than some of the other players. But man, those two guys are exciting. Jefferson you know, maybe a little bit more in, in, in common uh, with Cup. And and then Devontae Adams is just so much of a timing-based player, contested catch player. Uh, he can play bully ball, but he can also finesse it on the sidelines, man. You know, there's some players that you're leaving out, but I feel pretty confident with that five. I mean, they rolled right off my tongue. Is yeah. there anybody that you would that you would force in there in a – in a five wide, uh, in a five wide situation. I don't think so. I think that Stefan Diggs would probably like to have a word with you. Yeah. Um, Dig, Diggs is right there. You know? Yeah. He he's right there. So if you, if you told me that I couldn't have cup because he's hurt, yep. you know, I think D Diggs would like be, you know, right there, right there, probably on the cut line. 
Right. I, I, I actually like that list though. I'm not really sure that there's any other player I would introduce into I mean, this AJ mix. Brown, you know, there's, other I was going to say, maybe like, you could make a case for DK players. Metcalf just because if you have that other group of four and then they got to go to try to guard a specimen like Metcalf, but I think I would stick with the five you have. Metcalf would be like the hype man. Like I'm yeah. going to make sure that his, his hair's dyed pink and he's the <laughs> one that you send out. He's the one you send yeah. out first to be physically imposing. Yep. And then to get them worried, like, what are we getting into? But then, you don't, you know, he doesn't actually play. Right. All right. So I think that's a great note to close. <laughs> this we should with. do many of these episodes in the off season. We should, yeah. yeah. So anyways, yeah. The, tomorrow will be a, a important episode as we go through the GLSP projections, gearing everybody up for what's likely the first round of their playoffs, starting to make sense of the matchups and what is to come. So definitely tune in for that. Curtis, it looks like you have a thought. Yeah. Also in March, be sure to catch our episode five quarterbacks to play settlers of Catan with. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz fantasy football show. Send us questions at RVFF show at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dave Cabin FF and at C Patrick NFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>